The Franciscan Friars of the Atonement present the Ave Maria Hour. Hello, this is Father Bob Warren of the Franciscan Friars of the Atonement. Thank you for listening to this rebroadcast of the Ave Maria Hour radio show. The Friars' popular Ave Maria Hour was first brought to the radio airwaves in 1939, recorded in New York City and on the mountainside grounds at Graymoor, a home in Garrison, New York. These timeless classic stories of the Bible and the lives of the saints came to life each week through dramatic reenactment by professional actors and actresses. You know, friends, Christ once said, Do not hide your treasure under a bushel. In saying this, he meant share your gifts, share your talents. The Friars of the Atonement feel the message in these broadcasts remains as powerful and timely as when they were originally aired, and we are so happy to be able to share them with you today. To learn more about the missions and ministries of the Friars of the Atonement, I invite you to visit our website, www.atonementfriars.org In the meantime, sit back and enjoy this rebroadcast of the Ave Maria Hour. The second beatitude, Blessed are the meek, for they shall possess the land. Here is Captain Frank Drakely, the retired chief of police of Hanover City. I said last week I was going to tell you a story about the meek Father Morgan, our pastor here, and my proud son George. George is a nice boy. I like him. I think I'd like him even if he weren't my own son. He has a lot of attractive qualities. The only trouble about George was around about the time he went to college, then to law school. My father? What does my father do? Oh, he's superintendent of police of Hanover City. George, you see, used to talk like that at law school. My title was chief of police. But when he was away at college and law school, George always described me as superintendent of police. I suppose he felt that that made both Hanover City and me sound bigger than we really were. Yes, George was a nice boy. He even admired his own father in a broad-minded sort of way. It made me feel queer at times to be admired in just that way by my own son. But I really didn't mind. Youth has to have its fling. And George's particular fling could have been worse than it was. It could have been drink. It could have been gambling. It could have been bad company. Giddy girls. But the few girls George ever associated with were, well, young intellectuals. Young people like himself. Terribly keen on books and also terribly keen on wanting you to know that they were keen on books. As far as I can see, there are 
Lots of girls who are pretty. What of it? Girls don't interest me very much anyhow. The only ones I give any of my time to are the brainy ones. Not that there are too many of those. They talk about books or music or politics or law to the average girl. She thinks you don't have any life in you. Well, I don't care what they think. I have intellectual life in me, and I'm satisfied with it. Well, that was George in his college and law school days. Although, like so many of those fellows in that university club, he had a certain amount of shrewdness. He knew that if he wanted to get ahead as a lawyer in Hanover City, he had to make an impression on men. And so he used to hang around the Lions Club and Rotary. And one time, when he was home from law school on a visit, he even made a speech at Rotary. Gentlemen, you know, and I know, that for success in business life and success in personal life, a man has to have a background of years. He has to have seasoning. I do not have that background. I do not have that seasoning, as you gentlemen have. All I am here for today, at your generous invitation, is to convey to you, with what I hope is in all due modesty, the hopes, the ambitions, the plans of Hanover City's younger generation, the Rotarians of the future. Yes, George made a pretty speech that day, and he made an impression. And he knew he made an impression. But he didn't know that his father arranged for him to give that speech. But no matter. The boy did a good job and, uh, well, I was rather pleased with him. Then he graduated from law school, passed his state bar examinations, and came home to settle down. And one of the first things he did was to call on our pastor... Father Morgan. Yes, Father, I'm glad to be back in Hanover City. Well, now, a Catholic college education and the State University Law School, that's a good education, George. Father, I'm not forgetting my days here, either, in the parish grammar school and high school. It's nice of you to say so, George. Oh, I, I don't take any personal credit for it, Father. It's just, I suppose, because I have a good father and a good mother. My dear boy, you have indeed a wonderful father, a wonderful mother. Thanks, Father. Well, it's been good seeing you again. It's good of you to drop in. Do it as often as you can, huh? Well, I I don't know if that'll be often, Father. I, Well, I expect to be pretty busy now. I've been taken on at Mr. Roper's office, you know. Hmm, that's fine. The best law office in the county. It's really the best in the whole southern part of the state. Yes, I suppose it is. Oh, that's fine, George. That's fine. The best of luck to you. Thank you, Father. Uh, George. Yes? I know you intend to go to Mass and the sacraments regularly, but I wonder about the Holy Name Society. I do wish you'd take an interest in that, George. Well, I... I'll think it over, Father. I'll think it over. Good boy. Good boy. That evening, alone in his room, surrounded by his books and trophies of college and law school days, 
George is looking at the different pictures of himself in his college and law school yearbooks. And while he's looking at these pictures of himself, he's thinking, the Holy Name Society. Hmm. Oh, I don't know. Mass on Sundays and Holy Days, that's different. I believe in my religion. I intend to do my duty by it. But parish activities with ordinary, run-of-the-mill parish people. Hmm, no. No, I, I don't think I'll join the Holy Name Society or, or any other parish society. And so, dismissing the Holy Name Society from his mind, George continues to look at those pictures of himself. One Sunday afternoon, however, the Holy Name Mass having been that morning, his father mildly wonders why George wasn't there. Oh, I, uh, I went to the 11 o'clock Mass, Dad. You missed a good speaker at the Holy Name Communion breakfast. Yes, I know, Dad. And uh, I know what you're driving at. You want me to join up, don't you? Well, I, I think it would be a nice thing if you did. Look, Dad... I don't curse, I don't swear, and I... I... Uh, George, what are you trying to say? Well, the Holy Name Society is more or less for men who curse and swear, isn't it? <laughs> well, what are you laughing at? <laughs> oh, I, I'm not laughing at you, George. Only at what you said. I, uh, I don't want to hurt your feelings... But I see your education isn't quite as complete as I thought it was. Oh? The Holy Name Society is made up of men who, if they do, in a few cases, curse and swear, give it up for the sake of the holy name of our Lord. Uh, but that's only the negative side of it. The positive side of it is going to Holy Communion once a month in a group to, uh, well... Uh, to make up publicly to our Lord for the people who either ignore him or use his holy name as a curse word. That, uh, that's the whole thing in a nutshell. Oh, Christ, Dad, I, I feel stupid. I just didn't have it straight at all, I suppose. If you and Father Morgan think I ought to join up, okay. Yes, George had ideas of his own. But people of character, people like his father and Father Morgan, could always eventually get at his better nature. And so he joined the Holy Name Society. He not only went to its regular monthly mass, he attended its meetings every other Wednesday night in the parish auditorium. One Wednesday night, driving home with his father from a meeting... That was one of the best minstrel shows I've ever seen. And that magician... Wasn't he good? Uh-huh. Some of these women ought to have their driver's licenses taken away from them. You were bearing down on her, George. She wanted to turn left. Why didn't she put a hand out and signal? Well, you sound as if you didn't enjoy the show at all. Uh, oh, I don't know, Dad. Instead of these amateur shows, why don't they have something informative? A, a lecture series or a discussion group series? Well, maybe you have something, George. Uh, why don't you talk it over with Father Morgan? Uh, I'm afraid he goes along with the old parochial ways. He's pretty conservative, Dad. I found him pretty solid. Why don't you talk it over with him? 
Well, George, in a general sort of way, it sounds interesting. Uh, what do you have in mind, specifically? Well, Father, one of the sets of books I read in college was a set in four volumes called A Companion to the Summa. It's by a Dominican priest. Father Walter Farrell? Yes. It, well, it takes the Summa Theologic of St. Thomas Aquinas and it turns it into modern style, so to speak. Now, I thought if we took a set of books like that and had a series of lectures and discussions on them spread out of over two, three, four, five years, well, then we'd really have something in the end. Uh, the idea of the little entertainments we have doesn't appeal to you? Oh, Father, people can get their entertainment at the movies or on television or radio. But at our entertainments here, George, we don't just sit back. We all take part in them. I know, Father, but... Well, I'd like to see our entertainments just a little more intellectual. Mm -hmm. I see, George. I, uh, I appreciate your interest. I'll, uh, I'll think it over. Driving home that night in the family car. Well, how did you make out with Father Morgan? Oh, uh, I don't know. Uh, what do you mean? Oh, he was polite as usual. But, Dad, I'm not sure that he even knew what I was talking about. What, what in heaven's name do you mean by that? Dad... When I talked about Father Walter Farrell's set of four books, or well, it's famous, a companion to the Sum, it's called, Father Morgan simply looked blank. He, uh, well, well, as I see him, he's, he's just one of those men who lose whatever intellectual interest they may have had when they were young. He's not interested in people like me. He's interested in people like Fred Mueller. Fred's one of those young fellows who plot away at some piddling job or other during the week. And around the parish, they good-naturedly do any piddling thing they're asked to do. Ushering, fetching extra chairs into the auditorium, ringing doorbells to sell tickets for the holy name minstrel show, all that sort of thing. Uh-uh. None of that for me, Dad. That isn't what you paid good money for when you educated me. <coughs> hey. Hey, what happened? I didn't see that fellow pull over there. Well, George, let's get out and see what's what. Yeah. Hmm. I think he's more damaged than we are. His whole trunk rack is smashed in. Well, this is nice. Me, a former chief of police, and smashing another fellow's car. Gosh, Dad, I, I'm sorry. Well, let's go over and see if we can soothe the man's feelings. The next morning, Captain Drakeley calls Father Morgan on the telephone. Uh, Father, I'd like you to do two things for me when you have the chance. Yes, Frank? First, uh, next time my son George calls on you, don't talk with him in the reception room downstairs, uh, but invite him up to your own sitting room. Will you please? Why, uh, I I'll be glad to, Frank. Uh, don't ask me why just now. I think I hear him coming downstairs. I'll tell you when I see you. Anything you say, Frank. And another thing, Father. If you have the chance, tell him something about Fred Mueller, will you? Yes. Yes, I will. Uh, thanks a lot for everything. A couple of weeks pass, and George hasn't yet called on Father Morgan. Outside church after Mass one Sunday... 
George meets Fred Mueller and Fred's sister, Agnes. Oh, uh, good morning, Fred. Hello, George. Uh, George, I'd like you to meet my sister, Agnes. Hello. It's a pleasure to meet you, Miss Mueller. Oh. Oh, yes, we, uh, we went to high school together, didn't we? I think you graduated when I was... Yes, when I was a sophomore. Yes, I thought I remembered you. Uh, excuse me, just a minute. Father Sweeney there wants to see me. I'll wait for you, Fred. Fred's a Johnny on the spot, isn't he? <laughs> He's always up to something, isn't he? I think this time the ladies of the Sodality are after him. They want him to supervise the games at their party. Oh? What party is that? Their annual card party. You're coming, aren't you? Well, I have... I'm afraid I haven't thought about it. Oh, you'll be there. Your mother and father always come. Oh, it was hopeless. Here was a pretty girl, a really pretty girl. And all she could talk about was parish affairs. They were all she was interested in. One look at her and and a man had hopes. One minute of talk with her and his hopes were dashed. Talk about books with a girl like that? Talk about the visit to Hanover City next week of the Philharmonic Orchestra from the state capitol? Talk about the university club and the country club? (laughs) It was hopeless. Girls like that were sunk, submerged, frustrated in the petty details of the parish party. Uh, did I see you talking outside church with Agnes Mueller? Yes, Dad. Good-looking girl. And as good as she's good-looking. <laughs> oh, have another cup of coffee. Thanks, I think I will. I don't make it so badly, do I? You make it very well, Dad. Oh, it's better than Mother's. <laughs> Where is Mother? After Mass, she and the committee were having a meeting in the rectory. The card party committee, I suppose. She's always involved in it. Mother and Fred Mueller and all the other ladies. Fred Mueller and all the other ladies? <laughs> the way Fred hops whenever they ask him to do anything reminds me of a sweet old maid who was so anxious to please. Uh, George, yes? if your boss, Dick Roper, asks you to work with him on the community chess drive, you do it. You do it out of fear just in order to make sure of your job. If Fred Mueller hops when they ask him to do some simple little thing around the parish... He does it voluntarily, cheerfully. And he wouldn't lose a thing if he said no. Oh, I'll answer, Dad. Hello? Oh, yes, yes, Father. Yes? Why, of course. Tonight at 7.30? All right. Thank you for calling, Father. Father Morgan. He'd like to see me tonight at 7.30. Want to talk over that discussion club idea I suggested to him? That night, around 10 o'clock, George comes home. Well, Dad, it was quite an experience. Quite an experience. Is that so? First of all, after I got there, I was ushered upstairs into Father Morgan's personal sitting room. What are you whistling about? You know what, Dad? That room had at least 3,000 books in it. I know. I've been up there. I remarked on them to Father Morgan, and we talked about them for a while, and well, I could tell he had read all of them. Say, you, you know that set of books I talked about, a, a companion to the Summa? 
Well, he's read that twice. All four volumes. George, Father Morgan's a great reader. And here's something else. For a man his age, he's also a wonderful handball player. Really? Oh, beats me all the time. You know, Dad, I talk too much. Me with my 300 books and Father Morgan with 3,000. What did he have to say about your discussion club idea? Well, he likes the idea of an occasional serious discussion, but uh, not as a steady diet. Hello, Father Morgan speaking. Oh, yes, Frank. You what? He learned a lesson from seeing my books, huh? Yes, yes, you'll have to tell me about it sometime. Uh, no, no, I, I didn't talk with him about the Mueller's. The subject didn't come up naturally. Oh, yes, I'll do it, Frank. The first good chance I see. Uh, by the way, how would you like a half hour of handball this afternoon? Oh, you're in good condition. I... Good. Good. I'll be looking for you. One day in the center of Hanover City at lunchtime, George, walking down Main Street, meets Agnes Mueller, who has just come out of a printer shop. Oh, hello there, Miss... Uh, Miss Agnes. <laughs> hello yourself, Mr... Uh, Mr. George. Hey, you have a lot of manuscript there. I didn't know you were in the printing business. Oh, I'm not. I work for Dr. Strecker. Oh, yes. George remembered hearing something about Agnes being anesthetist, general secretary, nurse, almost general manager at the Strecker Clinic. Well, well, that didn't sound insipid, working so closely with a first-class medical man like Dr. Strecker. This girl was not only good-looking, she might even be moderately interesting. Well, I, I'm going to lunch, Agnes. I... I wonder if you might be. Thank you. I've been. And I've got to dash home and leave this manuscript with George. Oh. It's the copy and cuts for the card party program booklet. He's looking after it, but he's laid up in bed, so I'm taking it to him. Uh, laid up in bed? Well, nothing serious, I hope. Oh, not too serious. Well, now, look, if, if I can be any help, I'd be glad to come around this evening, uh, if I may. Uh, I did some work on my college yearbook and things like that. You're being terribly nice. I'm sure Fred would appreciate your help. Well, then I'll come, shall I? We live on Madison Street, 7.30. 7.30 Madison Street. <laughs> At 7.30. <laughs> what struck George that evening, in addition to the beauty of Agnes Mueller, was the charm of the Mueller home. A small house in a neighborhood of small houses, but it was furnished and decorated with simple but beautiful and individual taste. Charming. Charming's the word for it. Oh, Mother has an eye for things, hasn't she? Mother and Daddy died several years ago. The decorations and things are Fred's brainstorms. And mine. Oh. Say, an electric organ, too. <laughs> it isn't quite the extravagance it looks. Father Morgan sold it to his chief when he installed the big organ in the church. You know, I'd... I'd like you to play something for me. You're fond of music? 
Well, I... Yes. Yes, I really am. Hello. Hello, George. Oh, hello, Fred. How's the boy? Come on up. Let's go up and say hello to him. So you're laid up in bed, huh? Oh, just for a day or two. Oh, this time makes it three days or four. After all that defense work you've been doing, you need a good rest. Hey, Fred. Fred, that's uh, quite a book you're reading. Wow. Oh, Companion to the Summer. That's about all he ever does read. That and P.G. Wodehouse. <laughs> well, are we going to go to work on that program booklet? We are, yes. George and I. Just you lie there and take it easy with your book. Oh, but I would like... When we have sandwiches and coffee, we'll have them up here with you. Fred, upstairs there, isn't his health really good, Agnes? Well, not really. He has a weak heart. He can only work four hours a day. Assistant chief design engineer, and he works only four hours a day. Yes, they're terribly nice to him at the plant. Say, Agnes, you you and Fred are interesting people. As for you, Mr. Drakeley, you've been wonderful with the booklet. Well, it's all finished. Look, why don't you go up with Fred? I'll finish the sandwiches and coffee and bring them up. George, I want to thank you for helping with the program booklet. It's a beautiful piece of work. Thank Agnes and Fred Mueller, Father. It was their brainchild. Brains is the word for the Mueller's, isn't it? Yes. But what impresses me about them is that they're so modest about themselves. Blessed are the meek, George. People like the Mueller's don't brag about themselves, and they don't complain about their troubles. Troubles? Oh. You mean Fred's health? Yes. And a couple of other things. Agnes and Fred have been orphaned since their early teens. And Agnes... Well, during the war, she was engaged to a fine young officer in the army. He was killed in Normandy the day after D-Day. Yes, the young Mueller's are real people, George. But you don't hear them saying so. They take life as it comes... Face it as best they can. They don't boast. They don't complain. And they're beginning to receive their reward already. They're beginning to possess the land. They're loved, the Mueller's are. Loved. Love, Father? Yes, George. They're loved by everyone. Yeah, the best idea I've ever had in my life. Agnes. Agnes Mueller. Agnes Mueller Drakely. Thank you for listening to this rebroadcast of the Ave Maria Hour, brought to you by the Franciscan Friars of the Atonement. For over 110 years, the Friars have devoted themselves to fulfilling St. Francis' prayer, to heal wounds, to unite what has fallen apart, 
and bring home those who have lost their way. We work for Christian unity and interreligious understanding. We provide respite at our retreat center at Greymoor for those in need of spiritual renewal. We staff parishes throughout the world, serve as chaplains for colleges, hospitals, and prisons. We care for the ill through hospice work, ministry to those with HIV-AIDS. We also shelter the homeless and provide treatment and services for those suffering from alcoholism and drug addiction. If you would like to be included in our prayer list, participate in special St. Anthony Novenas, and or visit St. Anthony Shrine Graymore, attend a retreat, learn more about our Ave Maria Hour productions, or simply make a donation to assist us in fulfilling St. Francis' prayer to help those in need, please visit our website at atonementfriars.org or email me at avemaria at atonementfriars.org You can write to me, Father Bob, Friars of the Atonement, Graymore, Post Office Box 300, Garrison, New York, 10524. And so, in closing, I ask for the blessing of God upon you and those you love. May the Lord bless you and keep you. May his face shine upon you and be gracious to you. And may he look upon you with kindness and give you his peace. Amen.